You're listening to the Ask Dom That podcast, pushing the conversation forward on the questions you didn't even know to ask. Welcome to the Ask Dom Nat podcast. I'm excited because I've been wanting to bring a podcast to you guys for quite a bit and I finally got a chance to get the setup going, really the structure and an idea of how I want to present it. So I'm excited for this first episode. We want to bring you a new episode every Monday. So how is this going to be structured? Well, it's going to change over time based on the feedback that you give me. But realistically speaking, I think right now we have a good structure based on the feedback already that I've received from so many of you guys in the form of questions. Every week, I'm going to be bringing to you some trending topics and news you need to know that make us seem a little bit smarter than we really are. So you'll be caught up on some important news around the world. I'm also going to be introducing some questions to you guys that I receive and making sure that I give my answer in the longer form format than what I'm typically able to do on social media. This week, I want to get into some news, but we'll also go over three questions that I received from you guys. So if you have any questions, make sure you send them to me via Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, or my email, wherever you get it, just send it over. I'll be happy to answer. Catch me on social media, though. That's the best way to to get questions over to me. First question. It's a good one. What's your outlook on the the 2023 housing market? Then uh, what business would you start or recommend for a new entrepreneur? That's a great question. I actually have something that I want to talk to you guys about that. And lastly, I'm a small business trying to grow my brand. Any content strategy advice? Love that one too. So um, there will be timestamps in the show notes, YouTube, wherever you're watching this, if you want to go to any particular part of that. But we're going to start off with the news you need to know. This week, uh, we saw Southwest all over the news and they canceled more than 2,500 flights. So what happened with Southwest really is something that we haven't seen from a major carrier. We kind of always know that there are some news, um, some news agencies that report delays here, delays there. But Southwest saw a complete breakdown of their entire process. If you were part of a Southwest flying um, passenger that got delayed or canceled, make sure you understand what your reimbursement rights are. Because realistically speaking, not only should you get your ticket reimbursed, but you should also be um, compensated for any missed time. If you actually, a lot of people don't know this, but if you had to go buy clothes or had to stay at a hotel, whatever the case is, you can make sure Southwest pays for that. It's not all on you. So if you were part of the Southwest debacle, look into what compensation that you can get. Why the Southwest breakdown? Well, realistically speaking, there was some bad weather in the Northeast that started all of this. Southwest is known as a point-to-point airline, meaning if you're in a small market, um, in a small city, they pride themselves in getting that small city to another small city in somewhere in the United States. And you don't you don't have to fly to let's say Atlanta to to stop there and then go somewhere else or you know you don't have to fly to New York or here we have Dallas 
where a lot of those larger airlines, American Airlines, Delta, Virgin, stops in Detroit all the time. So Southwest really wants to be known as just these direct flights to these small cities. But what happens is they don't have big crews in any particular city. So when one flight gets delayed or gets stopped, it's not like, okay, now that plane can't make it to another small city. So that small city is like, well, the plane isn't available and I can't do anything because it's not like we have a lot of planes here, like in Atlanta, where an airline can readjust, put people on different planes. Maybe they'll stop in a different city, but it's just a greater concentration. If um, if somebody didn't get a chance to make it into work because the, they were stuck in the snow, well, they have a larger crew in um, their major hubs than they would typically in just a small city. So. And then one big thing that Southwest messed up on that a lot of people don't know is that their technology for their scheduling and their IT was really outdated. So they were using technologies from 1990s and so forth um, to schedule their people. There's no automated like, hey, your flight got changed. If you're a, a stewardess or a pilot, we need to make these changes. It's they have to call these employees and, and talk to them about their new flight status and so forth. So making that many phone calls became overwhelming just for their support staff and things got discombobulated. You wanted to make sure that pilots, these these pilots and, and um, air staff workers or aircraft workers are on union like regulations so they can't work so many hours. They need to have breaks. Everything got more complicated than Southwest was able to realistically track, and it was a snowball effect. Once the snowball started going, okay, this flight got missed, then that plane couldn't make it to another city, so that flight got missed, and there was no centralized place where they can realistically catch up. So that's how that happened, but it's not your fault, so you shouldn't have to pay for that out of your own pocket. Make sure that you get paid for that. What's next on the news that uh, you need to know this week. So very interesting, um, if you've been keeping up at all with the Russian-Ukrainian war, it, it's uh, it's been very much a Russian aggression towards Ukraine. And a lot of people, you know, have been supporting Ukraine and so forth and just holding the ground for uh, sovereignty in their country. But why is this on the news this week, at least on this podcast, well, because Ukraine, for the first time since the uh, start of the war, really made an offensive. They started actually hitting back Russia uh, with a strike in a city. I'm going to butcher this. So if you're familiar with Ukrainian cities, please don't criticize too harshly. Um, Makivka, Makivka, which is a city that's controlled by Russia um, and Ukraine sent off uh, like 15 or so missiles to this building in Makivka and killed about, they're saying, between 300 to 400 Russian soldiers in that building along with all of the um, military equipment in there. Russia typically doesn't talk about the losses that it faces on the battlefield, but this one was so severe that um, they actually acknowledged that it was a 
you know, some large casualties during this uh, this battlefield confrontation. So the fact that it's coming out of Russia that they took those losses means a big thing. This week, Vladimir Putin met with um, Xi Jinping, the uh, leader of China, and they were trying to get on the same page because Russia really can't continue this war without China's help. China is their main exporter now that they've been sanctioned by all these European and obviously United States. So China plays a big factor in Russia's economy right now. And they are, frankly, I think, getting tired of the Ukrainian war as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what political strategies they have in their hand if Russia doesn't look like it's going to be turning their strategies around anytime soon. If you guys want to get more of my thoughts on what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, let me know. I'm happy to continue that conversation. But for now, let's get into our questions of the week. So the, the first question that we discussed was, um, what's your outlook on the 2023 housing market? I love it. I absolutely love it. We've been talking um, real estate for so long that it seems so cliche, right? Like more millionaires are made out of real estate than any other industry. But the reality is, that right now you have an opportunity in 2023, possibly even 2024, that doesn't come too often and that it's a buyer's market. For the last couple of years, even after 20, um, 2008, it's not even 2008, right? 2008, um, we had all these foreclosures happening, blah, blah, blah. Um, market crashed. Obviously, everybody knows the story. But starting in 2010, right, just a simple two years later, you had these institutions buying up all of those properties. So prices started going back up relatively quickly. Um, and with the new president in there at that time, Barack Obama, they were trying to recover the market as fast as possible so that their approval ratings could go up and you know, they, they were stimulating the economy, the bailouts. So these bailouts were going to large companies. If you're a small institutional investor, you really couldn't compete because you weren't getting a bailout. Well, in 2020, same thing happened. Now, stimulus checks are flowing to everybody who um, qualifies at least. And people are, are really getting some extra money in their pocket. And they decide to start buying houses. Great. Prices are going through the roof. If you're an investor, it's not the market you want. If you're an investor and you were, you know, caught up in the frenzy, shame on you. But now prices are going back down. Prices are cooling off. This is an opportunity to buy. The things that scare other people should excite you. So why am I excited for the 2023 housing market? Well, it's just because with interest rates still steadily climbing, slowly but surely, there are now more creative ways for you to close deals that don't involve having to pay those high interest rates. And the prices are now, everybody just expects that it should be lower than it was in 2020 or 2021. So if I'm speaking with a seller and they want to sell their home, yeah, of course I can go to the bank and get a loan and tell the seller, hey, the bank authorized me for 300000 
I'm willing to pay $300,000 for this home. Even if they wanted 340 before 350, now they might be okay paying 300 just because there's not as much excitement around their house as mine or, or, or as, as before. All right, that's no problem because I'm gonna, they need to sell the house anyways. The cool thing about real estate is that people need to sell houses regardless of the economic circumstances that we're in. Their life circumstances outweigh whatever the economy is doing. So they're going to have to sell that house. There's an opportunity for you to put in an offer and a price that will be fair to them, but advantageous to you. Not only that, but you can come in and say, hey, before that house even hits the market, 2023 is going to be the year of off-market deals. Be before that house hits the market, I'm talking to a potential seller saying, I would love to take over the payments for you where let's not even get the bank involved. I I'm going to keep the payments that you have going on and I'm just going to take over the payments. You don't have to worry about that anymore. And that's a great strategy. If somebody's owned their house and they've locked in, let's say a 3% interest rate, they refinanced or whatever the case is, or if they have a 4% interest rate, well, instead of you going to the bank and getting a new interest rate at seven or 8%, you can take over payments for somebody who has a lot lower interest rate, or let's say they're already paid their house off. Well, you can still work out an owner finance deal. I think owner finance deals are going to become very popular because, well, it allows us to keep more money in between the two of us and not so many fees going to the banks and the brokers. All these people who are in these deals getting part of the money. But the reality is if you and I can come into a, an agreement, we can keep more money between us. And that's what I love about creative financing. You don't need a bank to buy a house. You just need an agreement with the seller and you guys can work it out and make sure that both of you guys get a better deal than if you got a bank involved. So the 2023 housing market, well, you had investors that did get very bullish. They started construction. They've been building a lot. And the reality is they need to sell those properties too. The interesting thing about commercial financing deals is that they're not very long. Some commercial financers um, or some deals for construction loans, whatever the case is, are like one or two years. So somebody who was very happy and aggressive to get into the housing market two years ago, they might've paid top price. They might've thought they were gonna make all this money because the, the housing market can never come down. Well, now, two years later, their project is finishing up and they need to sell the house. Well, you're going to be able to get those prices at a lot lower than if you were buying them two years ago. And the reality is their loan is due, so they're going to have to sell. It's rare that um, somebody's going to sit on a property that the loans do for an extended amount of time um, without considering taking a lower price, even sometimes at a loss because those banks get pretty aggressive with how much money you owe them and them wanting it back.
So that's my outlook for the 2023 housing market is that off-market deals are going to be supreme. You're going to have a lot of opportunities to undercut some people who made some bad decisions two years ago and overpaying um, to build and produce houses. But you're also going to see a lot of cool markets pop up that opportunities are going to be amazing because rents are still going to be on the increase as people look to maybe spend a little bit more money in places that they're going to enjoy their quality of living. So the markets that offer all the amenities for the young youthful crowd, your rents are still going to be going up. So as an investor, you're going to be seeing the benefit of that. And hopefully you'll be able to um, get the benefit of buying properties at a lower price than the last two years. What business advice would or what business would you start or recommend for a new entrepreneur? Great question. Our number two question for today. Um, let me see. I've been telling a lot of people this and I, I don't know that everybody fully appreciates how adamant I am with it. And if I were to recommend anybody start a business, um, it would be video marketing. Video marketing has probably seen the highest increase in the last three years than it had in the 20 years prior, right? Because we've always seen commercials on TV. We've seen these brands um, and they've spent thousands or hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars to do these video ads and to put run commercials on them. Now, everybody knows that the shift is to social media. And I have been surprised at how poorly some brands do video. And I've been surprised at how clueless these brands are with marketing those videos. And the reason I know is because even at a small account, we've been contacted by brands that say, we love what you're doing with some video stuff. How, how can we work with you to do more video? How, I mean, they don't even necessarily even want to sponsor my, my channel. They just want us to help them with their video stuff. And then I see how much money they're pouring into it. Um, and I'm like, wow, this is astronomical compared to what I know you can do from a smaller account and, and just with, uh, more creativity. So if you are that piece to those brands, if you can say, Hey, look, I've seen this on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever, you're going to have to wa watch a lot of videos to see exactly what works and what doesn't. But, and then you just, if you have the ability to do the video yourself, perfect, do it. Yeah, amazing. Be your, your best self and do that video for these brands. I mean, and just start by doing amazing, captivating videos, like something that if somebody looks at, they're just like, wow, that's awesome. I don't know how much you have to spend on your camera or your production, but people will notice high quality videos. And if whether that's your niche is cooking or fashion or whatever the case is, but doing videos from a cinematic brand perspective will get the eye of brands who want to work with you. And certainly as you reach out to them, they're going to say, yes, I want that. Because every brand, every large corporation, small corporation has a budget in mind for marketing. 
I mean, let me say 99.999% of them. There might be a few companies out there that do absolutely no marketing and they're just busier than they want to be and they're turning around, turning away customers. So even if you say, hey, I'll do this video for you for absolutely dirt cheap, they're like, no, thank you because we don't want more customers. I don't know. I'm sure there's one or two companies out there like that. But for the most part, the regular ones, want to continue increasing their revenue, want to grow their audience, want to grow their customer base. So making videos, oh my gosh, I can't stress this enough. And you don't have to have the skill set to make the videos. You can just be the orchestrator of how the videos get made. I mean, find great videographers in your city, find a team of people that can help you make the videos, figure out how much that's going to cost. If you get a team of videographers or a, a staff and say, Hey, look, I, I saw you make some cool videos in, um, you know, in XYZ city. How much would it cost if I were to do a video like this, right? And then show them the video production you, you want. And if I get five videos like that, how much can, can I get this for? From there, you're going to your brand and you say, Hey, look, I want to offer you this package. Not only are we going to do the video, but I'm also going to do the casting. I'm doing the scripting. I'm doing whatever, and it'll cost you this much. You don't have to worry about anything. And I can post and manage your social media for you. Here's the results that you can expect. I'm telling you companies are really good at doing whatever they're their industry is right. Like if, if this is a carpet cleaning company, they might be great at carpet cleaning, but if you can convince them that you can make carpet cleaning seem interesting and fun and engaging, no way you're not coming out of there without a client or at least a conversation. You can sell it. So video, um, and marketing is going to be the business that I'm recommending everybody to, to really consider because it doesn't take too much effort. Um, it's, it's about getting the right pieces and it's a skill set that you can honestly learn yourself. If these 13 year old, 14 year old TikTokers can do it, um, surely you, you can as well. So really consider that. And once you start understanding how much money businesses spend on marketing, then you're gonna, no matter where you start, I don't care if you're charging people a thousand dollars a video, or $5,000 a video, you're going to realize that there's a world of content production out there in the millions of dollars. So I'm very excited uh, for you to do that. And I'm a small business trying to start my brand. Any content strategy advice? Yeah, I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. Starting a, a content start content strategy in 2023 is all about how many times you're posting on social media. I've gotten a chance to be part of a Facebook um, cr small creators and small content creators program and talking to Facebook about how many times you should post per week. They tell me you should post three to four times a day. Posting three to four times a day Facebook has told me increases your chances of growing your audience, getting more views, everything. And it sounds extensive to me. I, I don't want to do it, but then you start realizing what other brands are doing. 
And these brands are literally just pumping out content because only 10% of their audience is seeing all of the content at any given time. So if you are looking at posting once, twice, or three times a week, then you're not even in the range of what your content strategy should be. And I'm talking about you should be in your stories, whatever platform you choose, you should be in your stories every day. You should be going live a couple times a week. You should be putting reels, 15, 20, and 30 second videos are key for whatever your product is. If you're a business, how can you captivate me in 15 seconds? And you don't have to be super creative all the time. Just keep me front of mind. And I, I guarantee that's going to be working for you to grow your brand. Small little videos and you're, you're going to grow your brand just by people seeing it constantly. So let me see what a 15 second video looks like, 30 second video, but do it three times a day. If you can start with three posts a day and then eventually you're going to start getting even more creative with a... Um, with the production of quality. So hopefully that helps. And hopefully that answers all the questions for this week on the Ask Domnat podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week on Monday. The Ask Domnat podcast is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. Without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information contained in or provided from this podcast is not intended to be and does not constitute financial advice, investment advice, trading advice, or any other advice. The information discussed is general in nature and is not specific to you or anyone else. You should not make any decision, financial, investment, trading or otherwise, based on any of the information presented on this podcast without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or financial advisory. You understand that you are using any and all information available from this podcast at your own risk. We thank you for listening and be sure to follow Ask Dom That on all digital platforms. See you in the next one.